The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome into a special edition of BGN Radio, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm Michael Kist. You can find me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. But more importantly, you can find this feed at BGN underscore radio on Twitter. And make sure you smash the subscribe button on whatever app you're using to listen to this to continue getting the best analysis in the game regarding your Philadelphia Eagles. So with BLG on vacation, may he forever reign. We unfortunately don't have our staple BGN radio show this week that returns next week. So what I did was I reached out to the amazing Jimmy Kemsky of the Philly Voice because I wanted to have a conversation about his yearly Why Your Team is a Dumpster Fire series of articles that create so much buzz and heat. Jimmy was kind enough to join us, so let's kick it to that conversation right now. He's a writer for the Philly Voice, but more importantly, he's the Bofa King and the maestro of MS Paint. He is Jimmy Kemsky. Jimmy, welcome back to BGN. How you doing, brother? I'm good. I've, I, I always wonder what people are going to say when they when they kind of give those little intros. The other one is, of course, the comp picks. Yeah. <laughs> You're the comp guy. I like that. Right. So everybody in Philly listening probably knows who you are and probably outside of it now because the attention that you garner over this series of articles that we're going to talk about today. But for the uninitiated, let everybody know where they can find you, where they can find all your work. Yeah. Well, like you said, uh, right for phillyvoice.com. Uh, you can just go to the Eagles page there. It's mostly all my stuff there. You can just go to my author page too. And then on Twitter, of course, I'm at Jimmy Kemsky. This this series that you do, I think it's a brilliant series. And it's the... It. <laughs> no problem. Uh, it's the why your team is a dumpster fire. And you give 10 reasons for each. And, and just talking about the reaction to it before we get into actual content, the vitriol that these fan bases come at you with <laughs> regarding these articles is probably my favorite thing. Jimmy, what made you want to make your mentions a dumpster fire themselves every summer? <laughs> You know, it actually wasn't anywhere near as bad this year as it uh, usually is. Mm. I think people kind of are starting to realize that. I mean, all the points that I that I make for each of the four NFC East teams are legit. Uh, and then I also try to, you know, make them funny in some cases and add some stick figures and that kind of stuff too. But I do try to make them, you know, legitimate concerns for every team. And I think, uh, you know, people are – I've been doing them for so long, like seven, eight years by, by now. And I think that people are starting to realize, you know, like not to get mad at them anymore. Yeah, they get the <laughs> gimmick. Read them for what they are. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't reached everyone yet. So there are still 
plenty of uh, angry responses. It just hasn't been as much as, as in previous years, but people do get really, really mad, as you might imagine, when uh, a reporter's just... And I try to make them, like, as brutal as I can be, yeah. <laughs> especially especially with the, with the three other teams. I got to face them with these players in the locker room with the Eagles, so there's only so far I can go with those. <laughs> but uh, I, I do tend to get pretty brutal with it, so... As you might imagine, fans of those teams don't always appreciate that. Oh, for sure. And let's start with the Eagles, which, you know, by the way, again, I love the people, especially the Eagles fans, that don't get the bit still and got mad about this. <laughs> right. You know, when when the concerns you bring up, too, they're legit. They're issues that we talked about on this network, and I think may, that may be a okay. big part of, like, the magic sauce of what makes this series so upsetting uh, is that you not only have the take, but you back it up. You do the research. But with the Eagles, for instance, I think the most biting part about that that article, one of the top or actually all four of the top four reasons are all injury related and entirely unpredictable is the great unknown and unpredictability of future injuries. Your biggest concern for the Eagles going into 2019? Yeah, it is. And I mean, you can say injuries for any team, but I think with this Eagles team, it's, you know, the, the concern level is heightened because each of the last two seasons, they had a, I mean, a crazy number of injuries. They went to the Super Bowl, of course, without Wentz and Peters and Hicks, and everyone knows the list by yeah. now. And then last year, you lose, you know, just an absurd number of corners. I think what people forget is the number of receivers they are missing the beginning of the season, too. I mean, you have Josh Perkins is playing wide receiver for them. Uh, I mean, they got really devastated at, at, at certain positional groups where they just lost a ton of guys at, at, at varying positional groups. And then obviously Carson Wentz, you know, having torn his ACL slash LCL. And then he's got the, the fracture in his back. And then even in college, he had surgery on his wrist. People forget the, uh, the broken ribs that he sustained in the preseason where he would have missed games during the regular season had it happened during the regular season. But he was ready in time for, for the start of week one that year. Uh, so, I mean, the number of injuries that he has sustained might lead one to think that he is, quote-unquote, injury-prone. <laughs> and I think that's a fair way to view him sometimes, obviously, with the number of injuries that he has. And, you know, I think the way that he plays, he's going to sort of open himself up to more shots than other quarterbacks that don't tend to leave the pocket as much are going to sustain. So, um, if they lose him, they're screwed, in oh, my yeah. opinion. You know, like uh, that hasn't been the case, obviously, in the last two seasons. We're out. We're out of fool's magic. We're all out. I do think uh, Nate Sudfeld is okay. Mm -hmm. I think uh, he's ready to kind of step into that number two role. But you know, I don't think he's kind of on that Nick Foles level. So if Wentz does go down, their their roster is really good aside from quarterback. But they're they're going to have trouble winning games. Yeah, I think they can sustain uh, a Wentz loss for you know a number of seasons. But if he were to go down for the for the season again, then I don't know if they can recreate that same magic. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of unknown there, and it depends on the length of uh, a possible injury and everything like that. So everyone's holding their butts, hoping that doesn't happen. But let's shift the focus to the only other team in the East that I view as a viable contender, the Dallas Cowboys. And Jimmy, before yeah. we get into why they'll be a dumpster fire, I did want to ask, were they the most sensitive fan base to react to this series, like over the time that you've done this? No. Well, they were for a few years. The last few years, however, have been it's been unanimously the Giants. <laughs> the Giants fan base has not taken kindly to uh, to this series, uh, and this year included. I I base it on emails, mm. so like on Twitter, people I mean people respond negative to anything that you put out there. It doesn't matter. It can be it can be anything, and there's always going to be some. That excuse, I don't know if we're allowed to curse or not. You're fine. <laughs> there's, there's always somebody that's going to reply negatively to it. 
it's the emails where you know people have found this article in some way other than Twitter, right? And then they fire off a mean like a, a angry email. It's, it's amazing to me, but the emails that I get are somehow substantially more incoherent than the replies that I get via Twitter, which is, <laughs> which is wild. Kind of like it's a, it's a high bar. <laughs> to, to be dumber than some of the, the replies on Twitter, but re- I mean, it's substantially worse via email. And the, my favorite thing about Giants fans when they get angry about this kind of thing is this. This was really um, a theme last year in the responses. They like kind of try to give what their credentials are before they tell you that you're dumb. <laughs> so, <laughs> like for example, one guy like said he was the author of uh, like a million copy. Uh, publication and then he went on to say like how bad of a journalist I am and I googled him and he wasn't lying like he was it was legit it turns out it was a golf calendar oh man so like <laughs> you might as well be the like the Bob's carpet mart like floor manager I don't I don't get that <laughs> right. so it was like he was doing this hard-hitting journalism it was, it was just golf tips that he found around the internet and he put them in the form of a calendar and he to his credit, he sold a ton of them, so good for him. Yeah. But I always find that I always find that uh, funny that 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 fan base. Another guy said he was a professor, and then like their what they write thereafter is usually just the like some of the dumber emails that I've gotten. <laughs> so, like it just is funny to me that they that they that they kind of say why they're more important than any other emails that I'll be getting. They, they list their credentials and then they say, okay, this is why you're dumb, and I have proof to back it because of my background yeah that is absolutely incredible but yeah going, going back <laughs> to to the to the cowboys this is fascinating i would love to get a peek at your emails but going back to the cowboys because we only have so much time uh yeah you, you made a couple of points one i would kick back on is the the offensive line being supremely overrated because i think Dak causes mm-hmm. a lot of that with this complete lack of a compass and internal clock when operating sure. inside of the pocket and pff has shown that out with sacks they credit to him instead of the outside uh you know instead of the offensive line but the ones that i really agree with Point seven and eight regarding the safeties, especially Jeff Heath, who I've now disparaged several times on this feed, and the <laughs> the lack of a pass rush beyond the excellent Demarcus Lawrence. So you consider the linebackers; I think they're a terrific duo, best in the league for my money. Is this defense legit enough to get this team over the hump next year? They have pockets of good players, like you mentioned. The the two linebackers are awesome. Yeah, Demarcus Lawrence is awesome. I like Byron Jones quite a bit. I don't know if you know a lot of people agree with me on that. I do, but I, I like him as a player. So, I mean, they have good players, but it's there's a lot of filler. <laughs> they have they have a lot of filler on that on that roster on defense as well. And you know, some of those corners, some of those young guys, they might turn into you know quality starters. Like uh, Woozie may turn into something. Jordan Lewis had his moments, uh, and then the, uh, the other guy they got in like the sixth round was Anthony Brown. Yeah, you know he's he, he's he's been up and down, but he's had his nice moments. So they like you know they like the Eagles have a lot of young guys there who could maybe step up this year, but there are concerns for them there. And then you know Woods and, and Heath on the back end, uh, you know they had their share of issues, particularly with Heath. I mean it's just a missed tackle machine, as I mentioned in the piece. And then yep. you know their their pass rush is sorely lacking players aside from Marcus Lawrence. Of course they signed uh, Robert Quinn in free agency. That's a guy who was awesome for like a few years and has not been the same player. For for my money, he's more of a situational pass rusher. Yeah, like he's more like a Chris Long at this point in his career than he is a starter. I think he's probably a liability against the run as well. So you know, I don't know. It, it's an okay defense. It's not bad. 
it's certainly better than the other two defense. Well, actually, I don't know. Uh, Washington has a nice uh, defensive line. Yeah, nice front. Yeah, yeah. they have a nice front, but uh, they're certainly better than the Giants <laughs> defensively. <laughs> you know, they're they're an absolute mess defensively. But um, yeah, I mean, there's some nice players. I think the strength of their team obviously is on the offensive side of the ball with Zeke and and Cooper and Dak is what he is, and the offensive line is good. Yeah, um, I will. You, you did mention that you didn't necessarily totally agree with with uh, the point about their pass protection. They did give up 56 sacks. Yeah. <laughs> that is something. I did. There's Bob Bob Sturm of, of the. Uh, this wasn't like I didn't just look at a number and go oh, 56 sacks. They stink. Like Bob yeah. Sturm of the Athletic, he went through and he and he showed all the sacks that they had on the season, and it kind of confirmed what I already thought, which is that Connor Williams. Uh, did not have a very good rookie season. Right. And then I've never been a big fan of Lyle Collins on the at right tackle. He's bad. And uh, he struggled. He gave up nine sacks. I think it was last year that he, or at least Bob, Bob Storm attributed nine sacks to him as opposed to, uh, he did attribute a lot of them to Dak as well. But, you know, those two spots, I think, are the big problem areas on that, on that Cowboys offensive line. And then traditionally, they haven't had a lot of depth on that offensive line either. Like you saw Tyron Smith go down in, in 2017 and their season was over. <laughs> like when he was down, they couldn't block anyone. Yeah. And it just totally, it totally just killed their offense. So, you know, it's, it's an offensive line that again, I, it's, it's a great run, bro- run blocking line. But yeah. when you ask anyone, like anyone that covers just the NFL, generally speaking, what's the best offensive line in the NFL, they just go Dallas Cowboys. Right. And I think that's absolutely absurd. Uh, that, that I've just in that in that sense, that's why I call them. It's a good offensive line. Don't get me wrong, but in that sense, I think they're wildly overrated and have been for like the last half decade. Yeah, and I, and I think a couple of years ago when they lost a ton of snaps off that line, really hurt them, and that's just been a hype holdover for them. All right, Jimmy, let's get to the bottom of the barrel. Uh, and I'll admit, I, I was starting to formulate the take that the Giants might not actually be that bad this year, and then they traded Odell Beckham Jr. and drafted Daniel Jones <laughs> and a one-down right. nose tackle in the first round. Like, at that point, I was out. What's going on yeah. with the Giants, Jimmy? Like, what are what are they doing, I think is the main question. Yeah, so when I started writing that, you know, bullet point one was going to be just how Dave Gettleman is a disaster and how he's kind of ruining the team. And as I'm writing it and writing it and writing it, like, bullet point number one was getting, like, up over 2,000 words on its own. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Because I can't, like, and I, I was already covering like all the in, in all the bad moves that he's made. He's only been there a year and a half, by the way. It feels like he's been destroying that team for much longer. He got hired in, like at the end of December in in 2017, so he's been there for one season and two off seasons. <laughs> like that's that's crazy to me that the amount of the amount of carnage he has done to that roster in a short <laughs> amount of time, but. Anyway, as I'm writing this thing and I'm like pointing out all the, and you know, simultaneously pointing out all the flaws on on the roster, I was like, you know what? I can't write this this way. Like, it's, it just doesn't work because by the time bullet point number one is over, I've already covered so many other, you know, some meat, some a ton of major reasons why the roster is bad. Yeah. So the way that I did that was I just kind of, I, I can't, I came to the the realization that he has destroyed that roster at like every positional group. <laughs> like yeah. he's made odd moves. At every single positional group on that roster, so that's how I wrote that one. I just went position by position and showed how he's kind of wrecked them. So that that one was totally different than the traditional formula that I've kind of gone with over the yeah. last seven or however many years I've been doing this. And I just showed how he's wrecked the team <laughs> from one spot to the next. And his moves have gotten so bad, like over draft weekend when they took Daniel Jones, and you know a lot of people, you know, not only bash the pick. 
but also just kind of the process that went into them eventually selecting him. Criticism has shifted from each individual move as, as they've gotten worse and worse. You forget a lot of the ones that he made originally. Yeah. <laughs> like during draft weekend, you almost forgot that. Oh, yeah, this guy traded a, like a top three receiver in the NFL for nothing. <laughs> and then, like, so I kind of wanted to go back and, and look at every move that he that he, like every bad move that at least that, that he's made since he became their GM. And that was by far the most fun one to write. Oh, Gettleman makes it easy for you, for sure. So when we come back here on Bleeding Green Nation, we're talking with Jimmy Kemsky about the dumpster fires around the league. We're going to get into the Washington, maybe a little bit rest of the NFC. And then we're going to get some final predictions on the NFC East. That's coming up next here on BGN. And we are back here on Bleeding Green Nation, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation. I'm Michael Kist here with Jimmy Kemsky from the Philly Voice. Last team in the NFC East, let's talk about them. The Washington, you know the name. Let's talk about why they're a dumpster. <laughs> you said it before the break, my friend. Oh, did I? I got it. Oh, I got it. Michael, Michael Buffer called me out for that on my freaking birthday, and I realized, wow, maybe I should stop using that. And then I noticed your article. You say the Washington team, so I'm going to go back and dump yeah. that. <laughs> but, but, but why are they a dumpster fire? <laughs> I don't bemoan anyone using their team name. I just choose not to use it myself. I think it's funny that like people people demand that you use it. <laughs> it's hard in sports media not to because like yeah. it's it just just it's it's ingrained in you. I understand it's a terrible word and I think they should change it. It should have never been the name to begin with, but like it's really yeah. hard to like wean yourself off of that. <laughs> it's harder talking too yeah. and avoiding it than it is writing, writing it, about for sure. writing about it. You know, it's easy to get around it, but just talking about like and I do like I'll do radio hits out of DC too. So like I did one earlier this week, you know, after after I published, you know, the the Washington uh, dumpster fire version. I did a radio hit with it with you know some guys down there, and uh, it was, yeah, it's like when you when you're talking about that team over a sustained period of time, it's hard not to not yeah. to use their team nickname. <laughs> but whatever. Sorry, what, what was your question? Why they're why they're bad? I'm assuming it's Dan Snyder and uh, like a, a bunch of other stuff. They make it pretty easy too. I don't think they can score with anybody. I think that's my biggest thing. Like they just can't score. They're not going to be explosive. Well, their skill position players stink. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean they just, they don't have anything. Yeah. Especially wide receivers. They they have it's Doxon, Paul Richardson, a little uh Edelman slot receiver guy. Right, yeah, that him too. Trey, Trey, Trey Quinn, is it? Yep, Trey Quinn, because Crowder's gone. I had actually taken a look at those three guys and they've been in the league a combined uh, I wanna say it was like seven years or something like that. They've combined to play in I think it was like ninety one games mm. combined for fifty starts, those three guys. I found that there, I think it was 77 NFL players that were still active at least last year. And, you know, some may have retired in the meantime or, or, or you know, aren't going to play this year. But I found 77 players that had uh, more career receiving yards than those three guys combined. <laughs> so <laughs> I saw the, it was a long list, man. You really feel it when you're scrolling on your phone. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Should I list them all? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. <laughs> and some of the names on there are funny. Like there's a lot of like borderline bad play. I mean, a lot, and certain, certainly there's obviously a lot of names that everyone knows on there. Yeah. But uh, some, some really bad players <laughs> on that list. And then, you know, there one viable at least he was a playmaker one time on, on that offense, at least in the passing game, is Jordan Reed. And yep. when you look at that guy's injury history, it's insane. He's had six concussions, and he hasn't even had one in, in a couple of years. But he's got like an, an absurd number of concussions and then an absurd number of soft tissue injuries. Just every year that guy is hurt. 
and I kind of feel for him because he was really good. Like he was awesome. Like the one year that he put up big numbers, I want to say it was 2015, and then they gave him a contract the next off season. They yeah. gave him a big contract the next off season. The injury bug really started to hit him hard thereafter. And he was a guy that I think they thought was going to be like a top three, top five kind of tight end in the NFL. And it just hasn't been, obviously, because of all the injuries. And that's their only guy. That's <laughs> like any kind of a threat. And from Geno's perspective, uh, they have a nice matchup against him uh, because Malcolm Jenkins has done a really good job anytime they played him in recent years. So in terms of the Eagles playing that team this year, I mean, I just don't see any way that they're going to be able to move the ball. You look at the quarterback situation, it's Colt McCoy or Case Keenum or the rookie Dwayne Haskins. So right. who wants that job at a training camp? They're kind of screwed because you know, the two guys are career backups, or at least they should be. And then the rookie, you know, he's getting thrown into – if he wins that job, he's getting thrown into a situation where, you know, they do kind of have some question marks. All right, they have Eric Flowers slated to start probably at left guard. Which like Crazy. is mind-blowing that they can't find – they couldn't find somebody better than, than him. Yep. And then you, 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 pair, you pair him with those – you pair the whoever wins that quarterback job with with that bad wide receiver position, and then the running backs. Even Adrian Peterson, you know, had some moments last year, but I think that was just kind of maybe a, a little, just kind of his last wind, maybe because he had some really down seasons before last year. Yeah, you take away that one long, ninety-something yard run against the Eagles, where the hole was so big I could run through it, and his yards per carry were we're gonna you take that out of the equation, yards per carry are gonna be somewhere around like three point six. Yeah, just <laughs> so it's not even like he had that great a year. Geis is coming off where they have a torn ACL, I think it was. Yep. So, I mean, that, that offense is just kind of a disaster right now. And, Jimby, before we get to your predictions and wrap this up, I had a really funny experience with the part of the series where you jabbed the rest of the NFC East. Before I read it, my question to you was going to be, is Sean McVay a coward? And lo and behold, <laughs> your first words about the Rams are, in fact, quote, your coach is a coward, unquote. Like, part of me feels like this is a hot take because, like, but the thirst over McVeigh is so crazy and is supposed a genius, but you'd be really hard-pressed to prove that he's not a coward, right? It's not a hot take in the slightest. I mean, people view it that way because when people, when people start, it's the same thing with Dallas Cowboys offensive line. Yeah. People say it over and over and over again. It just becomes truth that it's the best offensive line in the league or the best offensive line ever. It's the same thing with McVeigh. You say something often enough, and then he just becomes this amazing. And you know what? He does a lot of great things. Like he t he took a team that was just historically horrible. I mean, the years under Jeff Fisher with that team were just such garbage. Yeah. And then he takes over. They had talent on that roster. I don't care. Like that, that was a that they had a talented roster when he took over, and things just kind of started to come together. And credit him for bringing Jared Goff along the way he the way he does and the way they they sort of. Um, he speaks to him and everyone makes a big deal about how he speaks with them in the headset pre-snap and, you know, a lot of their offensive success certainly can be attributed to Sean McVay, but his in-game management, you know, those fourth down kind of decisions, he's such a coward. It's crazy. People view him as like this young guy who takes chances. There might not be a more conservative head coach in those decision-making situations than Sean McVay. It's I know. Like in that NFC championship game, where they kick the field goal down three. Uh, you have it in front of you. You just read it, but I think it was like a little more than six minutes to go. Yep. They're at the half yard line. Yeah. <laughs> like with the, with the firepower that they have on that offense, you get the, you know, you get the half yard, you're up four. Yep. You don't punch it in. 
you get the ball back anyway because they're <laughs> going to be you know the, the Saints. Well, I mean the Saints have a great offense, obviously, but you put them in a, in a, in a position where you know they're they're calling they're they're making conservative play calls from yeah. the half yard line coming out. So for them to have kicked the field goal there is just there isn't an analytics person on the planet that's going to tell you that that was the right decision. <laughs> like, right. He's a guy that, that definitely, he needs like what Doug Peterson has. Doug Peterson has a guy. Peterson rightfully gets a lot of credit for the you know, sort of the ballsy decisions that he does make on a regular basis. Right. But he's got a guy in his headset sort of giving him the, uh, like the red light, yellow light, green light. And Peterson yeah, goes with a exactly. lot of the yellow lights. Yeah. He McVay needs that guy in his ear and he doesn't have it right now. And as a result, He's making calls in those situations that, as you said, totally make him a coward. So last question here, the most important question. Who, out of all these dumpster fires, wins the NFC East this year? Uh, I think the Eagles do. I okay. think it's the most talented team. The schedule hurts the Cowboys a little bit because they got to play the Rams and the, and the Saints. Yeah, the two differences in the games, those two games are big. Yeah, and I mean, you're talking about two teams that won 13 games apiece last year. So <laughs> what I think the Eagles have who the, uh, like Panthers? the Falcons. No, you're right. The Falcons and uh, Falcons. And, oh, I guess it would be uh, NFC West. That would be the Seahawks. Yeah, Falcons and Seahawks. Yeah, Seahawks are fine. But yeah, those two compared to the other two, it's an advantage for right. the Eagles. <laughs> so yeah, I think that, that helps them. But also, I just think it's the most talented team in, in, in the division. Now, I don't think it's really that close. Yeah. You look at the Eagles, there really aren't. I mean, when I, when I sat down to write this thing, the best I could come up with in terms of positional holes was lack of depth at defensive end. <laughs> you know, like, yep. beyond that, you know, I know you mentioned on Twitter, like, uh, you, you see the running back position as a concern as I do. Yep. And then what was the other one that you agreed with? The, uh, the, the missing Frank Reich. Oh, yeah, Frank Reich. Frank yeah, Reich's on, and yeah, their game planning uh, wasn't as effective. Yeah, I mean, you look at their first quarter scoring, and 2017, they scored 150 something in yeah, the first quarter throughout yeah, the season, and then last year it was, or no, I think it was 130 something. I don't know. I love the spitballing on the podcast. <laughs> their their points per the first quarter was bad. Their drive efficiency on their first drives was bad. It was all bad in like the first half for the most part. Yeah, it was like it was like six and a half points per per uh, game in the first quarter in 2017 and then 2018 it was uh, a little bit over three per yeah. game Correct. and at one point in the season like after like week 10 or week 11 like they were under two <laughs> like they put up goose eggs in almost all of their games in the first quarter so yeah I mean you can point to I think the easy thing to do and you know sometimes the easy thing to do is the right thing to do is <laughs> wonder you know what's going on with the with the midweek game planning and that's where Frank Reich was awesome. Yep. And I think they took a step back when, when Mike Groh took over for him. It got better as the year went on. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's encouraging. And I think he'll be better certainly this year than he was last year. But they did certainly I think unquestionably miss Frank Reich last year. I mean so he did in Indianapolis. He was awesome. Yeah and expectations are high for this offense this year. So if it sputters, it's gonna be a problem in the media <laughs> that's <sure>. right. <laughs> So, Jimmy, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk with us today about your Dumpster Fire series. I love your work. Plug yourself one more time and where they can find you for the gentle listeners. Yeah, sure. It's at Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter. And then again, I write for phillyvoice.com. I appreciate the time, man. Take it easy, okay? All right, man. Have a good one. B.G.